The Henry Derringer Pistol Company is proud to sponsor this audio performance of The Secret and Impossible League of the Noosphere, presented by Live Girls Theatre and Pendant Productions. The Henry Derringer Philadelphia Pocket Pistol. Not every Derringer is a Derringer. The pioneer in small pocket pistols, the Henry Derringer Philadelphia Pocket Pistol is a powerful firearm that can be continuously carried on your person without inconvenience or danger. At only 8 inches, the Derringer is a discreet and powerful pocket revolver capable of dispatching your target with its single-shot muzzle-loading percussion cap firing system. Brandish your pistol in style to show off the unique scroll work or use the long barrel to tuck it into your belt. The Henry Derringer Philadelphia Pocket Pistol can be purchased in any city or large village. It will penetrate one inch of pine at 150 yards. Retail price, $8, wherever firearms are sold. A pocket pistol. Very, um, very handy. Yes. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Noosphere, where reality is formed and destroyed through the power of ideas. Tonight's episode, entitled Good and Bad Aren't the Same as Truth and Lies, is the third in a six-part adventure called The Baltimore Plot. Let's enjoy what our narrator, the ghost ship Mary Celeste, wishes to share with us today. If you can hear this message, then it's meant for you. In our last episode, Detectives Kate Warren and Alan Pinkerton were in the midst of foiling a heist when Lord Byron spirited Kate into the Noosphere. Our clandestine league extended her an invitation to join them in preventing serious time abnormalities. Kate agreed to help them for the moment. Take a listen as I connect us rather late in the evening, mind you, to a rather dank alley behind a waterfront warehouse in Chicago. The year is 1858. We rejoin Kate at the moment she returns from her first visit to the Noosphere. Thank you for agreeing to help us, Mrs. Warren. Now, I believe your thief is about to exit that door. Thank you for trusting me, Mr. Byron. Lord Byron, Lord. Goodbye for now. <laughs> Stop right there. Kate Warren? Leah Fox. What are you doing here? Are you the one stealing from this place? It's not stealing, if it's meant to be mine. That's not my line anymore. You sure? Seems like you finally traded in the small time for the long con. It's not like that. I do good now. Good and bad aren't the same as truth and lies. You know all about lies. I never lied to you. Maybe I didn't know the right questions to ask. Well, I'm standing right here. (laughs) I heard you're with Pinkerton now. Hmm. I never thought a man would come between us. It's not like that. 
Mr. Pinkerton is a good man. And I'm not a good woman? Is that it? <laughs> I never pretended to be one. You want to ask questions? How'd the man who owns this place get to where he got? Who dug this piece of metal out of the ground with tiny little hands? Not him. That item doesn't belong to you. It belongs to my client. You know, the man who owns the warehouse you just stole that from? This beauty is more mine than his. At least I'll put it to use. Footnote. The rare earth metal the ladies are discussing is tantalum, named after the mythical Greek figure Tantalus, who was forever tantalized by objects just out of his reach. Tantalum is a lustrous, corrosion-resistant metal. Because it is chemically inert and capable of being immersed in acid, it's considered a valuable substance for laboratory equipment. To this day, this conflict metal is considered a technology-critical element. End footnote. What possible use could you have for a piece of rare metal? I have connections. You mean with that same shill with the deep pockets you asked me to help you con? Are you gonna shoot me, Kate? No. Katie girl, I- Go. My debt to you is paid. I never considered it a debt. We're friends. Go. Leave, now, before my boss comes back. I miss you. Damn it. Damn what? I hate waiting. Well, the rooftop door's locked. When this mud sill comes out, it'll be ours. Mr. Pinkerton, have you given any thought to that request from George McClellan about the railroads? This is hardly the time. I'm just curious. Like I told him, I'm not in the private security business. But imagine the freedom we'd get from a steady income. We could take the more interesting cases, ones for people who can't generally afford us. I am not interested in the railroad business. We've never spoken about your politics. I don't really think now is the best moment, Mrs. Warren. I would support any idea that furthers your private interests. What are you talking about? Just that... You aren't alone in preferring the railroad that runs underground to those that run above it. Footnote. As early as 1844, Pickerton's home outside Chicago was a regular stop on the Underground Railroad. End footnote. To be clear... I understand you perfectly. What I need clarified is how you know about my private business. Mr. Pinkerton, I'm on your side in this. <sighs> I can't guarantee a whole railroad. I don't have the men. You wouldn't need more than four or five men per line if they were in disguise. Once the first few arrests are made by operatives wearing plain clothes, the agency's reputation would do the rest. Hmm. Plain clothes, huh? Well, now there's an idea. I... We'll talk about this later. Hey, mister. Listen, lady. I'm not interested. Drop the bag. Lie down on the ground and keep your hands above your head. I will shoot you. Down. I've got the bag he was carrying. One of the pieces of tantalum is missing. Maybe he wasn't working alone. Anyone come through the alley while I was gone? <laughs> no. Well, let's take him out front. We'll send Timothy for the constables. So about the railroads... I'll think about it, Mrs. Warren. 
That's all I ask, Mr. Pinkerton. That's never all you ask. Hey now, mister. Don't get all wrathy on me. Let's go meet the constabulary. Oh, I wouldn't push her if I were you, boy. I rarely do myself. Mary Celeste, are there any more references in Rochester, New York to mathematicians or scientists or artists in 1856? You have looked through all of them, Ada. Drat. Was it you I sensed in that train station, Charles? What were you looking for? Mary Celeste? What is this new contraption of Mr. Tesla's? It's a copper finial. Do you know what it does? It's- You shouldn't touch it. Ada? Charles? I see you like you're right in front of me. Where are you? It's good to see you. Are you well? Is your father still plaguing your existence with his melancholic diatribes? Why did you leave, Charles? You didn't even say goodbye. I've done it, my dear. I've found a way to save Georgiana. But without an engine, you can't navigate. Or tether to X points, or even safely breach the barrier between the spheres. You can't... You've discovered a way to return to the Noosphere. I can't go into the details, but we have a plan. We? I'm going to bring her back, darling. Footnote. In 1814, Charles Babbage, considered by many as the father of the computer, married his sweetheart, Georgiana Whitmore, against his family's wishes. The marriage was a very happy one, but tragedy struck in 1827. In the space of a year, Babbage's father, his ten-year-old son Charles, his newborn son Alexander, and his beloved wife Georgiana all died unexpectedly, leaving Charles Babbage inconsolable. End footnote. You can't change what happens to Georgiana, Charles. Everything you try destabilizes the Noosphere. I have a new approach. Will you help me? What do you plan to do? I can't tell you unless you join me. The others won't understand. And you don't trust me? Your father has a way with words. But he doesn't have a way with me. Sweet girl, have you never wondered why only synesthetes can enter the Noosphere? Imagine if anyone could. If everyone had unlimited access to the world of ideas, imagine what that would do to progress. To technology! But what if these deviations dilute the ideas, or cause the barrier between the spheres to disintegrate altogether? The equations to test such a theory would be extraordinarily difficult to prove there are too many variables. Errors using inadequate data are much less numerous than those using no data at all. I have to try. You've built another engine. Who wrote your algorithms? I've found a very willing people. She's not you, but then no one is. You're working with someone else? Who? Who is this woman? If one is blessed with the power of invention, many will always be found who have the capacity of applying principles. Footnote. Charles Babbage wrote thoughts similar to these in 1830 in a treatise called Reflections on the Decline of Science in England and on Some of Its Causes. 
End footnote. Is that a copper finial conductor? Is Mr. Tesla harnessing ideas? That's... Enough! Oh, Charles. Ah, Mr. Tesla, and I thought we heard the elegant chunks of the engine detecting an anomaly, Ducky. Please don't call me that. What do you mean, mon petit canard? You would prefer I call you by Babbage's affectionate avatar, oh enchantress of numbers? Stop, just stop, please. Of course, Nada. Lady Lovelace, did you touch the copper finial? Yes. Did it send you somewhere? Send me somewhere? No. But something strange happened. Oh, and we have a new anomaly. Uh, let me transcribe it. Ducky, when you say something strange happened... Ah! What in the blazes? I, I felt that. I felt the deviation. Perhaps I oughtn't to have touched your finial, Mr. Tesla. The more attuned we become with the noosphere, the more possibilities are before us. Currently, we need Mary Celeste and the engine to travel, but theoretically, navigating the noosphere could be as simple as thinking. We need only have an idea, and it would be our reality. Do you need to sit down, Ada? We need to contact Mrs. Warren. Another trip to Chicago, then? I have another idea. If I connect Miss Warren's hairpin to the copper finial, it should... Mr. Tesla, I can see you. Can you hear me? Hello, Miss Warren. Oh, this is spectacular. <sighs> Were you able to complete the task we set you? Yes. Pinkerton operatives now protect the railroads. That is excellent news. So, is the Noosphere back to normal? Is it all over? Father, here's the transcription. It says... The Baltimore plot. Will you interpret it for us? Of course. No theatrics, please. I'm not in the mood. Fine. But oh, heart! 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 Oh, the bleeding drops of red, where on the deck my captain lies, fallen cold and dead. Oh. Oh, my. Oh, no. Father? What happened to you? Something was speaking through me. It happened when I touched your hand, Ada. It's from a poem yet to be written in young Mrs. Warren's time. A poem of grief for a captain who dies just as his ship has reached the end of a stormy and dangerous voyage. What does it mean, Byron? It means that Abraham Lincoln is going to be assassinated. Oh no. Abraham Lincoln's assassination is not a deviation. It's not? That was very poetic, but not very actionable. Fine. It means... It means a plot exists to assassinate President-elect Abraham Lincoln before he takes office on his contemplated passage through Baltimore to the White House in Washington, D.C. That should be actionable enough for you. The Baltimore plot is still not a deviation, George. Unless the assassination actually takes place. The South is ready to secede. If a southerner assassinates the president-elect... Then the political experiment known as American democracy will fail. Ada, not you too. Sit down, my dear. I'm fine. You are clearly ill. I will be the judge of my own comfort. American democracy is a pivotal idea of the 18th century. 
It becomes a dominating political force in the 19th and 20th centuries, and entire regions of the Noosphere are constructed on its foundations. So this one deviation could destroy the Noosphere entirely? What do you mean? I don't have a strong grasp of American politics, but just now, when the Noosphere was speaking through me, I was made to understand that after Lincoln is elected president, the South will secede. And rather than allow that secession to go unchallenged, Abraham Lincoln will lead the country into civil war. Damn the devil! But if this isn't a deviation, if Lincoln is meant to die anyway and there's no way to avoid a war, then why does it matter to the Noosphere if he is killed now or later? In 1862, Lincoln will deliver a speech that becomes known as the Gettysburg Address. He will redefine the Civil War as a new birth of freedom that would bring true equality to all of its citizens. His speech is integral to the survival of America's representative democracy, that the government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Interesting. We're taking it in turns to be possessed by the Noosphere. I rather think interesting rather undersells the case, my man. But if Lincoln dies now, in Baltimore before the war begins, then the South secedes without resistance. The American experiment fails in its infancy and... And four million human souls remain in bondage. What can we do? All roads lead back to you, Miss Warren. You and Mr. Pinkerton must protect the president-elect. I'm just supposed to march up to Abraham Lincoln and demand to take over his security detail? We have complete faith in you. Right. I'll do what I can. So we should be saving Lincoln now only to let him die later? Given the right time and place, Lincoln is meant to be the martyr of liberty. If a man dies for a great cause at the perfect moment, both the man and the cause become greater yet. Lucky sod. Lady Lovelace, are you- I'm fine. Just a little more intuitive than usual. Your invention seems to conduct the Noosphere quite effectively, Mr. Tesla. Let's nobody touch it anymore, please. You don't think it caused the deviation, do you? Should I dismantle it? No, don't... don't take it apart just yet. Could Babbage have caused this? Not without another engine, but with one, or with some other conducting resonator. It is possible. You always blame him. Ada, it's admirable that Babbage loves his wife, and I'm grateful to him. He was there to be a father to you when I couldn't be, Chose not to be. I die when you are nine. My mother locked me in closets for hours if I expressed a thought she found too poetic. She hated you that much. I was five. You were still very much alive then. You should have meant nothing to me, and yet I saved you. How can you blame Mr. Babbage for trying to save the woman he loves from an early death? You're the poet. You're supposed to be able to understand love and explain it to the rest of us. The heart can't live in the past. We live inside time. Ada, Byron, please. We must face this deviation together. We have work to do. I need a drink. Charles, I hope you know what you're doing. Oh my! What is happening to the Noosphere? Is it cracking up? Where will that leave our intrepid adventurers? Remember this. 
Nothing in the noosphere happens by chance. You were meant to hear this story. Next time on The Secret and Impossible League of the Noosphere in The Baltimore Plot. Mrs. Warren, this is Abraham Lincoln. Mrs. Warren. Delighted to meet you, Mr. Lincoln. I doubt it. I'm not that delightful. Now, Alan, what's all this cloak and dagger business about? News has reached me through one of my operatives. There have been threats made against your life. Cast in a play, are you, Leah? My dear. I have just been making a new acquaintance. Have you met Mr. John Wilkes Booth? I haven't had the pleasure. The pleasure's all mine, ma'am. Pendant Productions would like to express our thanks to our stars. Alyssa Kay as Lady Ada Lovelace, Marina Kleinpeter as Kate Warren, Daniel Christensen as Lord Byron, Sharif Amin as Nikola Tesla, Caitlin Francis as Leah Fox, Troy Lund as Alan Pinkerton, Imogen Love as Mary Celeste, Matthew Middleton as Charles Babbage, and Mark Fox as The Crook and Other Voices. Advertisements were read by Sean Marie Stanton, and I am Roy Stanton. Cylon was conceived and written by Darian Lindell. The Baltimore Plot was originally produced as a stage play directed by Megan Shalom Arnett for Live Girls Theatre. This episode was directed by V.C. Morrison, an assistant directed by Paul Brueggemann. Songs on a Dark Street, A Tale of the Past, Waking Up Tomorrow, In the Mouth of Madness, The Stranger, This Can't Be Happening, Dead and Buried, and Insanity Calling by Josh Mullen at thetunepeddler.com. Other original music and the Cylon theme were composed by Michael Lofshuruk. Some sound cues created by Stephanie Senior. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2021 Pendant Productions and Live Girls Theatre. Stay safe and good luck. For more full cast audio dramas, please visit our friends at Jim French's Imagination Theatre at harrynile.com or search for Pendant Productions wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit pendantaudio.com. Thanks for listening.